the mic and then I was like wait did I just turn it off or did I turn it on it was one of those moments like wait I should look Uh, awesome it's on that's wonderful how you guys doing wonderful Woo! I love that. Isn't that funny how, like, we ask how someone's doing and then in in a large group setting, our answer is, woo! Like, I don't know what that means. I think it's good. It's good. We'll just say that it's good. I am doing woo! Uh, That's awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you guys have all experienced this at some point in your life, especially those of you who've been around the block a few times in your life. You've experienced the dynamic of seeing kids grow up fast. How many of you guys have seen kids grow up fast? Yes, and you, <laughs> and some parents are like, yeah. Uh, but as, as parents, I know I've seen, whether it's your nieces or nephews or it's your own kids or whatever, uh, man, they, they, they grow fast. Time flies. And as a parent, you know, you hear the cliche like, oh, they go so fast, they go so fast. And then, you know, when you have your first kid, you're like, yeah, whatever. This is like lasting forever. Every night I don't sleep. Will you just grow up already, you know? Um, but sure enough, cliches are cliches for a reason. And it becomes true. Man, kids just grow up so quickly. And I've experienced this with my own kids. And so, parents, I know you guys have had this experience before, too, where you're like, okay, I want to soak it up, right? I want to soak up this time with my kids because it's going to go by so quickly. And so, with my kids at the stage, they are like they're goofy and they run around and they're crazy. And I know that that won't always be the case. So, I want to just take it in and, and like soak up that time, especially with my youngest. Now, you guys know the babies get special treatment in the family. And listen, for all you siblings out there who have a younger sibling and you've experienced this, the reason why is because we, if you're a parent and you know it's your last, then you're trying to soak it up, right? You're trying to soak up those baby years and when they're small, no, you know, and, and take it in. Well, We wanted to do the same thing with our youngest, with Judah. And so we had this blanket up in his room. And the blanket read something like, I can't remember the first line, but it says something, something, something. Rock me a little more. Tell me one more story. Tell me just one more. Let me sleep on your shoulder. Cherish my happy smile, for I'm only a little baby for such a little while. And all the moms in the the room said, aww. Yes, it, and it was, I would be in there rocking him when he's crying or not going to sleep, and I would read that, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I only get this for so long, you know, and I really want to soak this moment in, and then when I would change my mentality in that moment, and I was present to it, it became rich, even in the midst of the crying baby in the middle of the night. It could still be a rich moment. 
And I'm sure we've, you've all had that experience with thinking back to memories, right? Nostalgia. You, you look back at something and you have that same rich feeling. There's a reason for that. And I think it's because we are intentionally choosing that moment. We are fully present to it. When we're remembering something, we're fully present. We're looking at all the details of the video or the picture, and we're present to that moment, but we're also approaching that moment with a sense of gratitude. And so we are able to take in life differently depending on how we view time in each moment. And I believe in our lives, if we are intentional to invite God into each moment, to turn our attention to him in gratitude, that we can experience that same richness that we have looking back or rocking the baby, reading the little blanket on the wall uh, in each moment of our life. We can invite God into some of the most mundane things and they can be rich. So the title of my message this morning is About Time, About Time. The title is About Time, and it is about time. Anyway, sorry. Let's let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for this day. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak through uh, me. Lord, I pray that um, we'll hear your voice, God, today. Not my words, Lord, your words. God, we want to know you. We want to encounter you in your truth and in your word. Lord, bless Everyone here today, God, may the word bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are uh, continuing in our series, Axis, Jesus at the Center. And actually today, we are wrapping up our series. So I really hope this series has been a blessing to you and that it's been an encouragement to you. But we've been talking about Jesus at the center, lives that orient themselves around our solitude with the Lord. And when we are fully known and fully loved in relationship with God, then it gives us the courage to be fully known and fully loved in community with other people, which then gives us the courage to go and to love the world. So from solitude to community to ministry, that's the order which we're following that Jesus followed. And we want to pour into that time, that that time with the Lord, that relationship with God. And so our base text is Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and 30. It's the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. I'm, I'm not going to do that again. It's embarrassing. I'm not gonna, but all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And last week, we talked about loving God with our soul, exchanging our worldview, our way of viewing the world for the Lord's, and taking off the lens of the flesh, and the lens of legalism and religion, and the lens of the temporal, and seeing the world the way God sees the world. And so today, we're going to focus on that last word, strength. Love the Lord your God with all of your strength. And some of you guys are thinking, what does this have to do with time? Well, we'll get there. All right, so strength, that word strength in the Greek is, I'm going to butcher this, ischis, ischis, something like that. Um, it's capability and strength that refers to human ability, capacity, or power. Human ability, 
capacity or power. So ability is like your skill, your talent. Maybe you have, some of you have different gifts and, and skills. And so it's loving God with the skills that God's given you, the gifts that God's given you. And then capacity has to do with our resources, what we are capable of doing. The most valuable resources are time, right, and money. So capacity and then other resources as well. And then our stamina or our power or our physical strength, our energy. And so that's another way in which we love the Lord with all three of these things, our skills, our resources, and our physical strength. And we offer those things, our skills, our resources, and our energy as an act of worship. So just like the mundane things in our life, we're able to offer things as worship to God, depending on how we set our minds. Revelation 5.12 says, In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So he's worthy to receive all of our strength. He wants us to surrender our greatest strengths to him so that we would then be dependent. The purpose is for us to be dependent on the Lord. He wants us to trust him with every area of our lives. So he asks us, surrender your strengths to me so that I may be strong in you rather than you having to carry this whole thing on your own. Luke chapter 9 says in verse 3 and 4, he's sending out the twelve. And he tells them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. He says, don't take anything. I want you to trust me completely. And then in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus walks through our greatest strengths in sacrificing and surrendering each one to him. In, in Matthew chapter 6, at the beginning, he talks about giving, which, which money is a strength. It's something that we tend to cling to and we rely on for strength. And God says, surrender that. Be generous. And then time is another one. And he tells us to pray, which how many of you guys know prayer takes time, right? The, the persistent widow, Jesus prayed in through the night. He said, pray without ceasing. It takes time to pray. And then our strength, he says, fast. Our physical strength, I want you to fast. And so he wants us to cultivate a dependency and a trust in him. And then he culminates that passage in Matthew 6 with verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, he says, build up that treasure there through generosity, through prayer, through fasting. Build it up in heaven. He says, love me with all of your capacity, your strengths to store up treasure in your heavenly home. So there's a lot we can cover with this. We can, we can talk about abilities. We can talk about our different gifts that God has given us. Um, we can talk about our, our acts of service and, and our physical strength, giving it to the Lord. Um, but today I want to focus on the one thing that speaks to all of that, that controls even how we use our skills and our physical strength, and it's how we use our time. It's capacity, our time. Time is one of the greatest gifts we can give to anyone, ever. 
It's one of the most valuable resources. Here's why. Because it is a limited resource. How many of you guys know time is a limited resource, right? Oh, I don't have enough time in the day. Right? It is a limited resource. You can spend money and then you can earn money. But when you spend time, it's spent. It is gone forever. You can't earn back time. So time is extremely valuable. So how are we spending our time? But God asks us to surrender all of our time to him. Now that seems like a big, big ask. But again, God never asks anything of you that he doesn't empower you with the grace to perform. So if he asks you to do it, then he's going to give you the grace to do it. And the way in which he asks you to do it is going to bring life. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. How do we love God with all of our time? Number one, schedule first what matters most. How many of you guys have heard that saying? Schedule first what matters most. Psalm says it's wisdom to number our days, to know how much time we have and where it is going. Uh, the average, uh, stats were taken a while back, and the average life uh, of a person on this planet is 77 years, and that's 28,000 days, or 100 million minutes, roughly, give or take. Um, and just, just an interesting stat, if we spend three hours a day watching television, that ends up being nine years of a 77-year lifetime. Wow. <laughs> we spend an hour in the bathroom a day. Some of us spend more. Um, but average it out between men and women. An hour in the bathroom a day, that's three years of a 77-year lifetime. Two hours on the phone, six hours on the phone. <laughs> that ends up being six years of a 77-year lifetime. Eight, eight hours a night sleeping. 25 years of a 77-year lifetime. Where are we spending our most precious resource, time? What are we investing it in? Don't, don't you think that we should invest it in our core values, right? The things that we find most important. So last week we talked about those concentric circles, right, of how behavior is influenced by our values. Our values are influenced by our beliefs, and our beliefs are influenced by our worldview. So what are our core values? What are they for you? I just want you to think about that. What are the things that are most valuable, the non-negotiables in your life? I mean, absolutes, the most valuable things in your life. What are those things? And I'm talking like maybe five things. Very, very small list of like the absolute essentials. Like for me, a few of mine are my relationship with the Lord, my marriage, my relationship with my wife, and my parenting and my relationship with my kids. Those are, those are three of my maybe five. So those are the most essential, most important things in my life. And so if we are scheduling first what matters most, then the first thing that should go into our calendar or on our schedule should be our values. Our core values should be first. That means whatever they are, family time or, you know, a date night with your spouse or 
time alone with Jesus in solitude. The, the things that we value the most should be the first things in. Because here's the thing. Our world operates at a breakneck pace. You guys know, right? It is fast, constantly moving. If we aren't intentional to do this, it'll just carry us. We'll just go through life and it'll just carry us through life. If we don't choose to say, okay, what are my values? I'm going to schedule those first. And maybe you're like, I'm looking at my calendar. Ain't no room. (laughs) Okay, I'll add it in at uh, after midnight. um, We'll have a family night. You (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, where do we find time? God is not, let me tell you this though. One note about this is that it's important to note that God is not asking you to love him beyond your ability or beyond your capacity. He's not asking you to love him beyond your limits. He's asking you to love him within your limits by prioritizing him. Within your limits by prioritizing him, meaning that if it's full, something needs to come out. doesn't mean that we add God in and it's overflowing. That's not God's intention for us. That means something needs to be removed in order to make, time, make room for your values, for the things. And these remember, these are the things you value most. No one's telling you to do this. This is your values. So we have to make room and schedule first what matters most, not in addition. Number two, what we love God with our time is master our time rather than our time mastering us. Master your time rather than letting your time master you. So again, our world is going to fly by 100 miles an hour every single day. We're going to go super fast. And so if we're not careful, our time masters us. We're a slave to our time, right? Our time tells us what to do and when to do it rather than we, us telling it, right? There's two different Greek words for time. There is chronos, which means like your, your calendar, like actual, t- the march of time, the seconds clicking off the clock, right? And then there is kairos. Now, chronos is also known in Greek mythology as a minor deity, and he was a glutton who gorged himself on his own children. Gross, right? Disgusting. <laughs> But that's a picture of time as a cruel taskmaster, always consuming and never consummated. Kronos. And that's what can happen in our lives, that time literally is our cruel taskmaster, just consuming and consuming from us until there's nothing left. The devil wants us to be worn down because then we're vulnerable. If we are worn down and weary, then we're vulnerable to whatever lie he wants to throw at us. We'll just, we'll take the bait because we're just tired. So chronos is one, but then the other word in the Greek is kairos. And that word kairos means time as a gift, an opportunity, a season, pregnant with purpose. Mark Buchanan in his book, The Rest of God, said this. He said, in Cairo's time, you ask not what time is it, but what is this time for? 
Kairos is the servant of holy purpose. This year, this day, this hour, this moment, each is ripe for something. Play, work, sleep, love, worship, listening. Each moment enfolds transcendence, lays hold of significance beyond itself. Kronos betrays us always. It devours the beauty it creates. So either we end up as the man in Ecclesiastes who is driven, 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 always reaching for things, trying to find purpose and meaning and finding none. Life is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. We either end up like him or we learn to follow the scent of eternity in our hearts because we're meant to live forever. So time is viewed differently then. We start to sanctify some of our time and an odd thing can happen. Purpose, even unsought, can take shape out of the smallest and simplest things. The smallest things can be filled with purpose. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13 says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift of God. Buchanan goes on to say, this is a gift of God to experience the sacred amidst the commonplace, to taste heaven in our daily bread, a new heaven and a new earth and a mouthful of wine, joy in the ache of our muscles or the sweat of our brows. God wants us to submit our lives to him as Lord, not time, not chronos. He wants us to use time as a resource for glorifying him, loving him, and loving people. He wants us to use time rather than time use us. And he wants us to invite him into every moment. Colossians 3, verse 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. So God isn't asking us to stop everything that we do, go into a prayer closet and pray 24 hours a day. He's not asking us to do that. He's asking us to invite him into everything that we do so that everything that we do is full of purpose. Because when God is there, our hearts are aligned with our created purpose, even in the most insignificant things. And suddenly the secular, quote unquote, becomes sacred because God's in it. When I... Uh, when we first moved to Denver, I, I took a job at this electrical contractor company, and I was the shop grunt. I mean grunt, like the worst and nastiest jobs on me. That's what I got to do, right? I got to clean out oil containment areas, and like, I mean, I was just dripping with garbage juice. I mean, whatever. It was just nasty. I did a lot of nasty jobs at this place, and we had just moved to Denver. We, uh, we have four kids at that point, all babies, basically, living in an apartment in Aurora, Colorado, in kind of a sketchy part of town with absolutely no money to speak of. I mean, I was working overtime anytime I could get it. 
like just to make ends meet. We're on food stamps. I mean, lots of ramen noodles and corn. You know, cans of corn and ramen noodles. It's awesome. And so that was it. That's where we were. But in that difficult time, uh, God moved on our hearts in a really special way. And I remember Katie and I had this saying. We said to each other every morning, I know Katie knows it by heart, we know it. Uh, the three, we'd say three things. Okay, three things for today. Number one, today is going to be the best day. Because I'm just going to choose that today is the best day. I'm walking in to this day with an attitude of gratitude, okay? So today's the best day. Number two, I'm going to love people well. Any person that I meet, my goal is to love that person well. And then number three, everything we do, we do for the glory of God. Everything we do, we do for the glory of God. So we would say that to each other sometimes with more energy than others. <laughs> sometimes like, yes, uh, uh, today's the best day, uh, you know, <laughs> especially when we didn't sleep all night. <laughs> it's not the best day, Neil. Um, so anyways, I, would, I was driving to work one day, and I just made up my mind. Okay, Lord, I'm driving to work for your glory, God. Driving to work early in the morning for your glory, Jesus, you know. And that whole day I was doing that with everything. It was almost kind of like a joke for me, really. And so um, I, I remember organizing bolt sizes, organizing these bolt sizes for your glory, God, you know. And then I'm, I was loosening this bolt on this toolbox on the back of this truck, and it was stuck. And I'm like, I am loosening this bolt for your glory, Jesus <laughs> and I'm carrying out the trash and getting trash juice on myself. I'm carrying out this trash for your glory, God. <laughs> Throwing it in. What's funny was I did that all day. By mid-afternoon, I was laughing out loud. I was full of life. I was excited. I, I was enjoying my day because it's amazing how when we turn our attention to Jesus and we take the most simple things and we offer them as an act of worship, then we are literally taking that entire day and we're worshiping the Lord with it. And then he is seated on the praises of his people. And so in that moment, the presence of God was with me as I turned my attention to him and the secular became sacred. And that can happen. When we offer the simple things in our life, but we offer them as an act of worship to Jesus, we invite God in to those moments. Guess what? He accepts the invitation. He shows up because he wants to be with us all the time. So we make time serve him and his purposes. We can fully live into every moment knowing that we aren't slaves to time. We are our time's master and God is ours. So there's hope and expectation as we begin each day of where God might show up. Where are you going to show up today, God? Hmm, that's exciting. Is it when I take up the trash? Is it when I loosen the bolt? You know, when are you going to show up today? Katie and I had another little thing during that season. We had a lot of little 
phrases, because it was a rough season. But one of the things we said was, uh, there's that scripture, God works all things together for good to those who love him, right? Well, when something really bad would happen, we'd be like, well, I wonder how you're going to make this work together for good for me, God. <laughs> because, yeah, that was fun. Anyways, so, we master our time rather than letting our time master us. And then number three, how do we love God with our time? We prioritize Sabbath rest. Prioritize Sabbath rest. Part of loving God is with our time is entrusting it to him. God had a built-in system for how we could trust him with our time, and it was the Sabbath. An entire 24-hour period given to rest and reflect on the Lord. Now that started actually with God himself before the law of Moses. It started in Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God himself took a day of rest. And then the Ten Commandments came. And then commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, Exodus chapter 20. See, that, that, now that, when that was introduced to the Israelites, that was a crazy idea because the Israelites had just come out of slavery in Egypt. And when you're a slave, you work seven days a week, all day. You don't have a choice. And so this was crazy idea, God saying no. I want you to experience my freedom, Sabbath, rest. Trust that I'm going to provide and rest. You don't have to be a slave anymore. This is a sign that you are my child. Rest. God, um, or Jesus, made it clear that the Sabbath was not to be used as another religious measuring rod, but was to be for our benefit. In Matthew or Mark chapter 2, verse 23, one Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. God intended the Sabbath to be for the spiritual and physical benefit of his people, not an impossible burden in striving to observe narrow man-made rules. He didn't want us to have another measuring run. Oh, well, I'm not measuring up. Oh, they're not measuring up. They're not keeping this up. And if the enemy, listen, the devil wants to accuse. That's what he wants to do all the time. So if you're already hearing that voice, that accusatory voice in your mind, oh, I'm not keeping the Sabbath. And the devil's like, yeah, you're not doing good. You're a bad person. Don't listen to that. That's the enemy. He wants to accuse you. God intended the Sabbath to be a gift a blessing, a sign of our freedom. Sabbath is simply taking time to stop, to cease from all work, paid and unpaid. Okay, so even like chores around the house, 
like to cease from work, to rest, which means just to breathe, (sighs) just be. Remember, we're human beings, not human doings. Like sometimes we just need to be. Stop, rest, delight, have fun. Do something fun. Like what's restorative to you? Is it fly fishing? Is it, you know, what's something that's restorative that fills your bucket? That's something you do on the Sabbath. It fills you up. It restores your soul. That's what God wants to do. What's something fun? Delight, delight. Delight in the Lord and delight in the gifts he's given us. And then contemplate. Reflect on God's goodness. Just think about how he's good. Taking some time to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Listen, I know it's a huge leap, huge leap to go from no Sabbath to like a 24-hour Sabbath. And listen, I'm not asking you to do that at all. My wife and I literally talked about doing Sabbath for two years before we actually did anything. Like we just talked about it for two years. So start wherever you're at. Start small. Maybe your Sabbath is half a day. And you can start there, just 12 hours that's dedicated to just rest, delight, contemplate. Maybe it's a quarter Sabbath, you know, six hours. Seriously, whatever it is, start somewhere. That's all I'm asking. Just start somewhere. Start somewhere small. And experience the freedom from Kronos that Jesus died for us to have. Because, man, it is sweet. And every moment of our life can be full and can be rich when we give God our time. Jesus said, I came that you might have life in all its fullness. That's what he wants for us. And God's grace is sufficient. Remember, he doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't equip us to do. His grace is there. One step at a time, remember, It's a a journey. Life is a journey. It is a marathon, not a sprint. Okay, we're not going to change our whole lives in overnight in one moment or even one week, one month, one year. It takes time. Walking in step with the Holy Spirit, his grace will be sufficient, and he will guide us in to more and more freedom every day of our life. Amen? And so when we love God, as we've talked about in this series, with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. His grace is sufficient for us in that. And one step at a time, his strength will be made perfect in our weakness and we'll live more and more into our freedom that he died for us to have and become more and more conformed to the image of Jesus. So I'm going to close with this. Some of you may be here and you felt like you've just been, you're just tired. You're just worn out. The pace of this life has just worn you down. Like a grinding, constantly. Chronos just ravaging your soul, your heart, your time. And you're just, you're just tired. You just want some rest. You want some peace. Listen, Jesus wants that for you. And he wants to heal anything that the devil has stolen from you. Anything he's taken from you through that time, he wants to heal that. He wants to restore that in abundance because that's who he is. 
Christ died for our freedom and healing. This, this is the last verse, Matthew 11, verse 28. And in the message it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that good? Freely and lightly. Would you stand with me as we close? We're going to sing a song of worship here. And... This is just what I encourage you to do. God's a good shepherd. He wants to shepherd your heart. So right where you are, just close your eyes. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you telling me right now through this message? This is the most important question you can ask. It doesn't matter what I've said. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And then where is your heart? Are you, do you feel tired? Do you feel weary, burned out? God wants to give you rest. So right now, as we, as we close in worship, um, this is what I want you guys to do. Just, you could, you could even do it this way. If you want to, everyone, you guys can just look at me real quick. This is what I want you to do. Physical thing. You don't have to do this, but I think this would be helpful. If you just want to like hold your hands kind of like this during worship, you can hold your hands like this, like clenched fist. And then as we, as we sing, you can hold them down here if you don't want to look weird or whatever, whatever you want to do. But just hold them. And then as you worship, just as a sign of just like, I'm giving up and giving in to you, Jesus, just open up your hands. This is kind of a physical act of faith, a touch point for your faith. As we worship, I just want you to slowly, when you feel ready, just open up your hands and receive rest in healing from Jesus. Does that sound good? Yeah? All right. Let's, let's close with the time of worship. Listen, if you're here and you want some more, you want some prayer, 
um, we want to pray with you. Uh, like you, you, it might be that, yeah, you just feel worn out. You just feel weary. You just want some, someone to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. Um, our elders if elders and your wives, if you guys just want to make yourselves available after service, we'll be up here. Um, but if you just want prayer for something, we just want to stand with you. Does that sound good? Yeah? All right. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you for being here, for taking this time. And I encourage you um, as you go into your week uh, to just start talking with your spouse, start talking with the Lord, uh, looking at your schedule. All right, how can we do this? How can we start to make some time for rest? How can we start to schedule what matters most? One step at a time, whatever God's put on your heart to do, I just encourage you, step into that this week. And uh, we're just going to experience more of his freedom. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, I love you guys. And next Sunday, don't forget, is Group Sunday. So please be here. All of our small groups are going to be available there at the back. And also, if you have any questions about Oaks of Righteousness, um, I know that Tom and Brenda will be available for you guys to ask questions for them. Uh, And that'll be good. Love you guys. See you next week.